Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by all my awesome co-hosts this week, Shane Kelly. How you doing, Shane? Hi, I'm feeling psychedelic. <laughs> and Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? Incredibly confused and glad to be here. <laughs> and Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? Freezing and pining for the sunny climes of Virginia. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you live in the, the dismal... The hinterlands. Hinterlands of <laughs> Chicago. Oh, God. I'm so glad not to be there this time of year. Well, this week we're talking about uh, a game called Virginia. Uh, Virginia really ran under a lot of radars this year, um, and I played it and really liked it, uh, but wasn't uh, hadn't gotten around to touching on it for the show yet, uh, and then we saw it on the Time Magazine Game of the Year list. Uh, Time Magazine isn't really like known as a gaming outlet, but they do pretty interesting game of the year lists every year. Uh, they tend to pick a lot of off the beaten path stuff and pretty much everything that they, uh, that they touched on this year uh, was either something that we already covered on the show or something that's vastly too long, but Virginia was on their list. And um, I really, really liked this game, but I think that there's a real diversity of opinion about it. And I even even within our co-hosts, he's subtweeting me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I maybe we ought to maybe we ought to start by kind of explaining what the game is for folks. If you're because it's easy to make because it's easy to kind of not understand from the game's marketing what this thing really is. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of other indie games, including ones that I really loved. But when you um, start, because if you just list it, it's um, Twin Peaks inspired interactive movie-ish. Um, uh, there's got a little bit of a detective story. And just based on that, it's probably like 30 games that you've played if you like the short game. It, we're getting to a point where there's a, a, a real diversity of content in this genre or in this um, in this style, right? Uh, you wouldn't sit down and say like, "Hey, I like movies." Uh, you liked uh, Citizen Kane, so you're going to like Legally Blonde. Uh, no, y- you're you're getting to a point where you know I I know people who will have really liked games like Firewatch and Gone Home, uh, for whom this will not be a game that they will enjoy. Uh, and so I think it's it's going to be useful to us to talk about uh, about this kind of pre spoiler break in a, in a, the sense of a review that's going to give people an idea of like is this for me? And this is going to be a game that we're going to have an early spoiler break on. We're going to talk a little bit about its style and how it tells its story and who this game is for pre spoiler break. And then because this game has a bit of a uh, it has a plot that might leave you guessing, uh, we're going to talk in some detail about the plot after the spoiler break. So keep an eye out for that and we'll have a a marker for it. Shane, are your two kind of like goalposts when you are um, categorizing and considering movies? Is it Citizen Kane on one end and Legally Blonde on the other? Uh, Yes. Uh, I would say that, you know, if you like one, then you should like the other. Okay. (laughs) On those two, which is your favorite? 
which one would I probably rewatch? It's probably going to be Legally Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> just so we're clear, just making sure. Not disagreeing, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, a pretty good musical, too, just <laughs> if you're shopping for one. Good to know. Literally good the know. first two movies I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> they both sort Man of Man of the World, Shane Kelly. Well, to explain the game just a bit, this is a game... First off, it's not uh, like Citizen Kane or Link Blonde. No, it's unlike either <laughs> God, of those things. Um, this is a very, very <laughs> cinematic uh, storytelling game. Uh, it is out for Steam, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One, where it is $10 on all of those platforms. So not a big investment, either in money or in time. You can probably finish this in about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, and... It's probably the close in, in in style, and we'll talk about this in more detail. It's in style. It's one of the closest things to being a quote unquote interactive movie to anything that I've played. Yeah, um, I feel like that's such a common thing you hear when people are describing games, and often like the big budget games, like it's like playing a movie when they're talking about like Grand Theft Auto or whatever. But none of those are anything actually like playing a movie. This is the closest I've ever felt through playing a game where like it it's cut like a movie it's edited like a movie the sound the they even roll credits like a movie i mean it is it is a clear intent Mm -hmm. i believe by the developers to make it like you're in a watching a movie well like a movie you the player are immersed in the role of the person you're playing but you don't actually get to make the choices for them you can just say oh do this action and then that action happens. You don't actually get to really make a decision. I know for some people that's a deal breaker. We've played plenty of games like that, so that isn't <laughs> one for me or for any of us. But This is a game with one button, and that is interact. Um, and it is only on things that I would say are part of the story, really, you can interact with. I mean, there's some sort of outside of it. Um, you know, interaction, but for the vast majority of the game, if you can touch something, uh, interact with it, it is like the direction you're supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. So to briefly set this up, it's a first person game. It's a kind of a a thriller or mystery story. It takes place in 1992 and uh, you're going to be playing as, or, you know, in the first person perspective of Anne Tarver, a newly graduated FBI agent who's been assigned by her boss, uh, to, gather information about her partner, Maria Halperin, uh, for an internal affairs investigation. Um, And the storytelling style is... uh, I think when you describe this game, you could end up sounding a little bit like almost like you're trying to parody what people say about like people who hate indie games and quote-unquote walking simulators it's you can describe this game and end up sounding like a parody of a bad steam review for gone home like oh it's a game where you walk around and occasionally stuff happens and you click a button and items get picked up and you put them back down and it's like it it could sound like a total um uh, Honestly, I feel like this itself. game could have done with more items being picked up and put back in. <laughs> yes. I, I could Definitely. see that. I could see that. But I totally disagree. And I think we'll probably talk about a little bit how this game Reagan, tries anti-picking up. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, if, you, if you want to play this game and then hear Reagan and I fight about why I hated <laughs> it and he loved it, play the game. <laughs> uh, also, totally unrelated, but 
what a bum first like investigation as an FBI agent. Such uh, bummer. In- investigating a coworker. Like I know, I, I know. And I, a missing kid too. So yeah, yeah, bummer. Yeah, you have to go and I mean that's the setup is that you are investigating a coworker while also assisting in a missing person's uh, a missing kid's case. So I think where this game kind of is most interesting uh, is in its editing style um, and how it tells its story. So I'll contrast this to something like Gone Home. Like on the surface, if you describe this game, you know, it's a mystery. It's told in first person. It's an indie game. Um, You end up drawing a lot of comparisons to other. um, And I I keep using the phrase and keep needing to predicate it with. uh, But I don't actually use this as a pejorative, but. It, you know, other walking simulators like you can com- you can compare this with those but those feel much more gamey than this and this feels much more filmy than that and i think it comes down to one specific thing and that is how they handle continuity and editing so video games in general have this absolute obsession with continuity of experience you know you get dropped in as nathan drake or the girl from gone home or you know Lara Croft or whatever, and you have one continuous experience that begins at the beginning and you control your character through the entire experience and it ends someplace. Maybe that ending is the end of a level or maybe it's the end of the game, but there's this complete continuity of experience between point A and point B. And the story is told by, you know, exposing you to environments that tell a story through things like interrupting cutscenes, that kind of thing. But this game throws that out and looks to things like film for how to tell its story in terms of continuity. Um, And it combines that sort of film style editing with a first person perspective and first person uh, interactions. So I think to be a little bit more specific when you're saying like film editing, um, an example might be uh, you walk out of your office and you turn left down the hallway and at the end of the hallway, you see that there's a staircase, uh, like a door going to a staircase, and you make it about three steps uh, down the hall before you cut to your walking, you're halfway up the staircase, and you do a couple rounds on the staircase, and then it cuts to like you're getting in your car, and then you get in the car, and then it cuts to you arriving at your location. Perfect. Like most perfect games, example. Yeah, most games, thank you. <laughs> most games would have you do every part of that and spend 20 minutes traveling from location to location. This game gets you all over the place. Or zero of it, yeah. Or, yeah. And and so, yeah, in another game, you might have spent 10 minutes walking down all of those stairs to get to the deep, dark basement in order for the game to convey to you the information you're in a deep, dark basement. Or in another game, you might have... Uh, might have had to see a sign that said this way to deep, dark basement. But this gives you two quick cuts. You never lose control of the character. This is not a cutscene. You walk, and suddenly you're in a different situation. And y- games are scared to do that a lot because... Also, I don't think games technically can do that very easily in, in, in more elaborate experiences just because of the loading times involved, right? And I, I think there's a yeah. lot of situations where, like, if you wanted to have that same kind of cutting style in, like, a AAA, like, you know, Nathan Drake is slicing off the head of, of one indigenous person and then instantly he's in his New York apartment. Like, I'm not sure you could do that. And a lot of games, I feel, do do it end of scenes, though. I mean, like, I feel like a lot of times when something ends, you'll suddenly cut to another scene. But most of the time, though, you're opting into those cuts. Like in in a typical video game, you might say, you know, now now you have the opportunity to to go uh, to leave your apartment and go to work. 
you can walk up to the door and opt into that cut, right? But these cuts very often happen based on the timing of the scene or on things other than just, I'm going to walk out the door and that's when it cuts to the next scene. These, this, this moves at a pace that you don't fully control. Yeah, there were some moments that I felt... I, the mo- moments where that was re- most impressed on me were, were situations where you were like in a car uh, being driven as a passenger and um you know there's a real sense of movement there as you as you move like the sun has is lower in the sky you're on a different stretch of highway um you've rearranged the objects inside the car like you've gotten a you've gotten your bag out now you're flipping through some folders uh, and this happens two or three times and it conveys like a a really long stretch of time i thought that was really interesting um, it's my favorite thing about the game. It's the thing I'll remember the game for. And I think it's notable that normally our cue for the end of a scene is the end of dialogue, but there is no dialogue in this game at all. So there is no audio cue that something's supposed to stop. So if you're driving along your car, it's kind of when you take the action that the scene decides is the end of the scene or when you've gotten to the physical space that the scene needs to end in. It just ends. Yeah. The one other game that you can point to, and I think it's an obvious inspiration to the game to the point where like one of the first things in the credits is a thank you to uh, Blendo Games and 30 Flights of Loving. We've mentioned that game on the show here before because we played um, uh, Quadrilateral Cowboy by the same developers. But if you haven't played 30 Flights of Loving, it was... Uh, it's it's probably the first game to really do this style of editing, um, or at the very least, it's the first that got any. Like, I, I certainly know it's the first thing I ever played that played like this. This is like Thirty Flights of Loving, if you expanded its, if you stole its editing style basically and applied it to something that's trying for a little bit. Uh, well, well, it's a very different in tone. And it's also very different in its visuals. But once I realized, oh, this has the editing of 30 Flights of Loving, like once I realized that they specifically called that out as an influence, it made a little bit more sense how they, like it, it it's all over this thing. It's It's got that same editing style. So if you haven't played 30 Flights of Loving, it takes what, like 10 minutes to play? You should definitely play that. I want to mention about that before we move off of talking about the editing is that one problem I've had with the like exploration game or walking simulator genre is that it really I think mainly because of its sort of budgetary and technical limitations was incredibly mired in the past like you know you play something like Gone Home and I'm sure there would have been a way to tell that story with all the characters present and making it happen in real time uh now it would have been a very different story but you know that was a game that kind of built itself up from its limitations they didn't have the money to do fully detailed character animations and 
uh, lots of voice acting and the kind of just interactivity required to be able to tell that story in the present moment, right? And even you look at something like Tacoma, which is coming out from the same developers, um, it has a much, much larger budget. And it's still telling its story in a sort of a way where you're watching recorded scenes. It's very hard to tell these sorts of stories in games in present because we don't have like the perfect AI to be able to respond to player actions and tell these sorts of stories in the present moment yet. This feels like a really like deliberate attempt to use the present as your moment for the game. You're not telling a story about like, oh, I got here and everyone's dead. Why is everyone dead? Or everyone's missing. Why is everyone missing? You're in the moment. Mm-hmm. You're experiencing things. That's as a they very happen. good point. Uh, Firewatch does the same thing, except uh, it takes you not out of the present, but out of the out of the out of your current location. So you're you're not interacting face to face with other characters, and that's something that this game does that none of those other games in this style have done, and that's put you face to face interacting with other people. Yeah, I I don't credit that to editing. I credit that to the silence because the silence makes you feel more alone and that's what makes this feel more like a walking simulator than a point and click. And I think that if there was dialogue, we might be talking about this game very, very differently and I don't think it would feel quite as much of a solo adventure. It would feel much more like any of the friendship games you've played. The creators of the game specifically said that they omitted dialogue for technical reasons, because it would have increased the budget and so on uh, of the game. They said they omitted dialogue because it gave them the ability to uh, focus on, um, you know, keeping on telling the story rather than doing things like synchronizing lip movements and and directing voice actors and and things like that. Yeah, dialogue is very expensive. I also think that by doing it this way, they're accomplishing a goal that the other games that we've played um, that I don't think they've really gone for, which is a feeling of not fully understanding what's happening. And I, and I know that sounds weird, but like in Firewatch... It's intentionally in, vague in Mary Yeah, Mary's. in Gone Home or Firewatch, I can spend all the time I want exploring drawing my own conclusions, maybe reading and rereading, um, taking notes, really getting myself immersed in this, the setting and the location and all that, where this moves so fast and the visuals are constantly changing and not allowing you to get comfortable with it. There's a lot of scenes that I would have liked as a player um, to be able to spend some time in to really understand what's going on, especially as the game ramps up, they're throwing imagery at you constantly. And um, I think it requires multiple playthroughs to really know what all of these different scenes and images represent. And I think that's purposeful. Um, and I don't think any other game, uh, at least in this genre that we've covered, is trying to almost overload you with sensation and not let you stand on any firm ground um and i and i it's intentional and i think it's effective um and that's what also what sets this apart from those other ones that we've done i I remember there's a scene that that really 
bothered me. So I played through the game twice now, and there's a scene that really bothered me on the first playthrough as a gameplay thing, and then on the second playthrough, I I kind of dug it. So uh, that's I think a good example of that. At one point, very early in the game, when you're in the FBI director or assistant director's office, and he is asking you to report on your colleague, he gives you a file that has a piece of paper with her photo and some text that basically is a description of your assignment. He hands you this folder, and you you pick it up, and you stare at it, and almost immediately, within a couple of seconds, the film cuts, or the game cuts to uh, something else. I think it's like you riding in the car with her or something like that. And at, at the start of that, I was like, oh, now I'm mad. I didn't get the chance to finish reading that. And it is really jarring from a video game perspective. You pick up a piece of paper in a video game. You expect to read every word on that piece of paper. Now, you you see a character pick up a piece of paper in a film, and you don't have that same expectation. But coming to this as a video game player, playing it with a, gaunt, with a, with a game controller, I expected to be able to read that. And when it suddenly cut away, I was very frustrated. Um, but... I also think like it's obviously very intentional. They wouldn't have done that if they didn't, you know, they didn't intend you to read that paper except for the first line. I took a screenshot of that piece of paper. It is boring as sin. There's nothing in it that's very interesting past the first line. It's very intentional. And it's more about that piece of paper being a symbol or a object that drives the plot forward. You understand what the paper represents, even if you don't know the contents of every word. Laura's making a voice. Laura disagrees with you. Go ahead. Laura no. <laughs> I think it's telling that we are many minutes into this and we've talked about character zero. Mm. So for all the talk of story, there's no the characters are very were very flat to me. And I don't think you're totally I, wrong. I think that's probably I, one of its weaker areas. Yeah. It was something that like I get mad um it, it it's hard for me to attach to a story where it wants me to feel emotionally engaged with a lot of symbols and there's no – in something that's vague and there's no characters to attach. I know you're, you're probably hearing this, people who listen to podcasts a lot. A lot of people have been yelling about Westworld about this and I disagree with that in Westworld because the actors are so good and then you can see their faces and there's a lot of acting and a lot of character in their faces if not in the – characterization but i think in this game there's literally there's very very little there for the characters so Mm -hmm. something to keep in mind as we talk about filming and art style and editing and all this stuff if you're here for a character driven story like overwatch was like you could argue gone home was like overwatch this is not that (laughs) you said Overwatch. i said overwatch is (laughs) 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 but hey actually over Actually, Overwatch is very, in. yeah, also, Overwatch is very character driven. There's a lot of people who are into fandom for Overwatch. I've- yeah. Because they they did a great job with the character building, actually. It's that very too. Firewatch is a whole um, different ball game, even though that. they have some. Yeah, I will. They have some. They have some commonalities in terms of the way they you know you interact with the game. But yeah, very different. You're totally right, Laura. Like I really would have liked more detail about the characters, or I, I think it's all a casualty of deciding to build a game without dialogue. Like. It's really hard. This game has good animations and interesting looking, although very minimalistic faces. We'll talk about the visuals, I guess, in a second. But I, and it, it tries to deliver its character largely through animation. And 
perhaps unsurprisingly, it's not as successful at that as something like Inside. Although Inside didn't have a whole lot of character to portray either. Like you, I, I kind of I kind of wrote down a lot of notes when I was looking at the animations in this, and that the animations go a long way. Like the the first scene before uh, Anne Tarver goes to accept her, you know, her um, FBI badge. You're in a, you're looking into a mirror and putting on makeup and. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, yay, the first thing you do is look in the mirror, find out you're a black woman and put on lipstick. And I was like, I'm so excited about this game. <laughs> right. And I thought that like they, they had a lot of good animation there and they didn't fully carry that through. Not every character had that level of animation. To be really honest, I think only the lead character, Anne, and her partner, Maria, had kind of that level of care put into their animations. Let's not forget about Cord, okay? Uh, the Cord. assistant director of the yeah. FBI. He really had some eyebrow action that I, I enjoyed yeah. thoroughly. Yeah. So a lot of the character information that you get is really situational. You know, things like – actually, I, I, I have some things that I would use as examples here, but I think that they're spoilers because they come fairly late in the game. There, there's – a lot of what you learn about the characters comes from small details and – because of the pace, sometimes those are small details that are very easy to miss. So I think it's a totally valid criticism, and I completely agree with you that this game is light on character detail or, like, things that would make you strongly care about the characters. I, I found myself doing so anyway, but I think some of that is projected. It, it, it's not yeah. a great character piece, although I think it's a good story. Well, which I think is their goal here it's 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 plot driven not necessarily character driven um but the plot is obscured greatly um and i think they want you to feel it's kind of what i was talking about earlier i think they want you to feel like uneasy the whole time like who are these people are who are there good guys or are there bad guys like why should i care about these guys should i care about my partner who i'm investigating like I, I don't really – I still don't know if the partner was a good or, or bad guy or if that even matters. Like there's very few uh, moments where you get a, uh, a real detail on anybody other than the main character and even that is pretty vague. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. that's purposeful. I think the whole thing is meant to make you feel uneasy about just like everything. Yeah, but I'll ask this. Since I didn't care enough to – care about why what was going on i was like this is being intentionally confusing i can probably get it i want to get it and i want to like this because i'm playing for the podcast but i never hooked in enough to care to dismantle out of you know a uh, journalistic intent so i'm curious for people who you know since you guys really liked it what did get you to engage i don't know that this was like uh, like for me, I won't say that I like loved this game. I, I do think it was very interesting. Um, and when we compare it to other games we've covered in this genre, like I liked it way more than like the vanishing of Ethan Carter, um, which mm -hmm. has some similarities, but I enjoyed Overwatch. Dang it. We've all played a bit of Overwatch I, recently. <laughs> I, I play a ton of Overwatch. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I enjoyed Firewatch and gone home more um, but I did enjoy this game, and for me, uh, I wanted to solve the mystery. Uh, the, there was there was a couple mysteries in it. Um, I wanted to know what happened to the kid, and I wanted to know 
why I'm investigating my partner. And that was enough for me to try to interpret the uh, uh, symbolism and the imagery. Um, I really don't did not I was un, I, I was very unsuccessful. I completed mm-hmm. this game uh, saying I know less about this game than when I started. So I uh, <laughs> I I won't say that it even necessarily did a great job at it. I think it needs multiple playthroughs. Um, but it did keep me invested, and I played through uh, pretty engaged, start to finish. I had maybe a very different reason that I that I I engaged with this, and to me, it wasn't about the story or even necessarily about the characters, although you know that's important. Um, it was like engaging with a hour and a half long lucid dream that just sort of. Um, uh, put me in this sort of a flow state, and there's a lot of these games that are that are of this type, where I do feel compelled to go around and look at everything and click on everything. Uh, but this game, I, I kind of felt right away that like this was about a, an experience that's moving forward all the time, where the, it's a it's a it's a it's a moment to moment experience. Uh, where the the beauty of the game is going to come when it surprises you, not when not when you uh, when you interact with something and it does what you expect. So so for me, it was just about that emotional experience of of gliding through this story uh, and having it build to just the incredibly shocking and bizarre. Uh, end that of course it reaches yes and we will definitely talk about that after the spoiler break i think i engaged with it initially because of the mystery anything with a good mystery at its core kind of draws me in and this idea of you know why am i investigating uh my coworker, my colleague uh drew me in initially and then you know once you find out more about about maria's past you uh you i was drawn into it even more and um i don't know it's just i I found that sort of investigation of it like the mystery was mostly in my head right like it's it was interesting and i i thought that the mystery of it was very interesting even if perhaps the characters didn't feel as fully fleshed out as they might in something like gone home where we get a lot of detailed diary entries and we get like voiceover from the characters and so on Mm -hmm. i didn't feel as connected with the characters so i wouldn't say this is on the level for me with firewatch or gone home but it's not that far off and more is always better in this genre for me um i guess that's where i landed also i just uh shout out to the sound uh the music in the game i thought was very nice yeah really good music uh, well well placed and that will keep me going sometimes too recorded uh the soundtrack by oh now i need to find it on the on the listing here it was like the swedish philharmonic orchestra yeah, I think it was Prague. Thank Prague. You. Prague yeah. Philharmonic, yeah. yeah yeah it's a it's a really good film like i would say uh soundtrack um but it also really feels of the era they're trying to portray i don't know if we mentioned it at the top but the game takes place in 1992 and it feels kind of 1992 it really feels very um there's a lot of great fbi stories of that era silence of the lambs and x files and um and twin peaks and it really feels like those to me and i think a lot of that is the great soundtrack which is like i, I thought it was a really really good soundtrack yeah it's almost like uh this whole thing is almost i i would 
give it the, the the tone of a hour and a half long music video for this gorgeous soundtrack. Um, not that not that uh, the soundtrack was really driving the action, but there was a there was really good harmony throughout, and the fact that there was no dialogue only made it easier to focus on the beautiful music and sounds. So ultimately, obviously, there were some diversity of opinions about this game. I really liked it. Laura really hated it. I think the other two folks here kind of fell in between. Um, and the that's, short game spectrum, everybody. Exactly. That's why we are here together as a as a panel. That's why this is by the way the show the works the way that it does. Um, and we're about to go to the spoiler break. I guess the last thing I wanted to say before the spoiler break was because this game has inspired a diversity of opinion. It's on the best games list of Time Magazine for the year, along with extraordinarily good games. And it's got a really, really abysmally low rating on Steam because a lot of people do not like it. I would I would recommend this game to anyone who is interested in games that are experimental. And this is this is an experimental game even though I've seen other games that that tried things similar to this before. This game feels very experimental. In and I would also recommend it to anybody um it's not a big investment of time or money. It's it's a $10 game. It's been on sale. You can I got it for 5. Um also I'd recommend it to people who like storytelling that isn't straightforward. So if you liked the storytelling style of things like, I keep going back to Twin Peaks because it's an obvious reference or uh, inspiration on this game. Quick rant. I don't think people should keep comparing this to Twin Peaks because Twin Peaks was campy and had a ton of humor mixed in. And even at its most surreal, it played with itself and always lowered expectations for the audience. And I think this game does none of those things. I think it only takes the surrealism aspects of Twin Peaks. I think it's much closer to Blue Velvet. That's my rant. That's a good point. Or Mulholland Drive, maybe? Correct. Mulholland Drive is much more like this game than Twin Peaks. People should stop comparing. You drive through setting. woods. Yeah, it's rural setting. And there's a coffee shop. Twin Peaks and the fact that you're playing an FBI, well, not playing... You weren't playing well, they like, agent. They clearly put a lot of Twin Peaks Easter eggs in this game, but I do not think that people who love Twin Peaks, they usually love it for like a lot of those side aspects that are not present. So if you love the surrealism of Twin Peaks and you want more of that side of David Lynch, this is a really good game for you. But if you're there for other things, be a little more cautious. Twin Peaks is a is a show that people like for a lot of different reasons. And I also really liked Twin Peaks, but I think I liked it for different reasons than you did, Laura, or I must Mm -hmm. have. I certainly loved the long log lady as much as anybody, but that always kind of felt like a release valve on something where you're getting a fairly heavy story with a fairly uh, told, told in a mysterious and sometimes bizarre way. And those little moments of comedy were a release valve that was absolutely necessary if you're telling a story like that over the course of multiple episodes in an extremely long season. This is an hour and a half, and so it didn't have that kind of release valve, but I didn't really feel myself desperately needing it. I I think I was there for both sides, but I don't like necessarily pure surrealism for an hour and a half. Yeah. And it's yeah, not, it's not either. But yeah, right, I totally yeah. feel you. I think it's an easy reference, though, that people yeah. love to compare stuff to Twin Peaks. Um, Twin Peaks is beloved, and 
fits into a pocket that like virtually nothing else really does uh, as well as itself. So it's it's fun and easy to say, um, yeah, this is like Twin Peaks when you're right, Laura, that uh, now I have to be honest, I have not actually watched all of Twin Peaks. But, um, you know, from my understanding of it uh, and and just the cultural acknowledgement of it, because, I mean, even if you haven't seen it, you know kind of what the vibe is. Um, this isn't as deep as something like Twin Peaks, but I think it's it's fair for people to compare it. But if you're going in looking for that s- total experience like Twin Peaks, then yeah, you're going to be then watch Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. and had I yeah, and and I think I was sold on this game. It was Twin Peaks, the video game version. So I was looking for that mix. Mm-hmm. And I was very disappointed. I think that probably contributed to my dislike. Yeah, so. and I apologize for giving you the wrong expl- uh, explanation <laughs> of the game, Laura. But it's a, it, it's a, it's not a funny game. Uh, this didn't have enough Dennis Hopper as Blue Velvet, though. <laughs> oh, so. yeah, that's true. <laughs> it really could have used a Dennis Hopper. Um, so I guess now's a good time for us to go to that spoiler break and talk about the specifics of the sp- Story and symbolism of the game. Um, so if uh, you haven't played the game, this is one where I'd strongly recommend skipping the rest of the episode until you have. Again, the game is only an hour and a half. You can download it on Steam, on your PlayStation 4, or on your Xbox One. It is $10 or less. I'm excited for this part. I actually avoided um, reading anything about this game because I wanted to go into this spoiler uh, section uh, as a, a new babe, I have no idea what the hell happened at the end Me of this too. game. Me too. We're going and to I, be... <laughs> and, I'm uh, ignorant it, of internet theories. I don't know this about is, you guys. This is the part where Reagan tells Nate what happened in this game. So <laughs> I'll do my best. And also, I um, I don't claim to have all the answers here. Also, we're not going to do... It would just be too much to try to do... this. this uh, we're not going to do a, like a beat-by-beat story explanation either so we're going to touch on scenes that we thought were particularly interesting mysteries that were solved or unsolved and what the ending meant so um if you if that sounds interesting to you and you want to hear that uh listen on past the spoiler break uh this here is your spoiler break i think we should start by the fact that if you rearrange the letters in virginia it actually spells "I am Lord Voldemort." Absolutely, <laughs> anagrams are exactly where you should start out. with every single game. So mad when they actually are used on TV shows. So this is the story of Anne Tarver, uh, and just to give a very brief summary of the setup, which we already sort of did at the top, so I won't try try not to repeat to myself too much. Um, Anne Tarver graduates from the FBI FBI Training Academy. Um, she's given her badge by uh, Corb. Uh, Cord? Cord. Cord? Cord. Uh, what's his last name? I don't remember it. Anyway. Um, uh, Cord White, man. <laughs> uh, her first assignment is to find Lucas Fairfax uh, in a town called Kingdom. And she goes there with Maria Halperin, her partner, who she's also tasked with secretly doing an infern- internal of uh, infernal affairs uh, investigation. Infernal affairs. On. So the, the mystery plays out in a series of scenes, um, just to kind of skip trippingly through the beginning of the game we uh stop at a diner and have a coffee we have a tense seeming uh drive in the car and almost hit a buffalo okay common misconception it's not a buffalo it's a bison (laughs) damn it the (laughs) and not a Uh, beefalo 
Not a beefalo Those are either. Different. Nate, how do you, Nate? Are you sure? Are you sure it's a bison? It really looks like a buffalo to me. I I've am, had buffalo nickels. I am one hundred percent sure on this. So I trust Nate. The you Google it, please. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's technically a googling bison. We, buffalo versus vi- bison. We commonly refer to them as buffalo, as the original settlers did. And that's why we call them buffalo. But they early are American their own settlers breed. called bison buffalo due to the similar appearance between the two uh, animals, and the name buffalo stuck for the American variety. But it's wrong. <laughs> the American bison lives only in North America, while the two main buffalo species rega- reside in Africa and Asia. Damn it, Nate! I hate when you're right. And Thank who you. said video games were an educational? Thank you. Uh, uh, Nate, I'm going to go I, on saying buffalo anyway, probably, but uh, that's fine because that's what we all but recognize. Just keep being I, wrong. Yeah, it's okay. It's just, I, I feel like I get caught in this argument every other week, but they're technically, <laughs> they're technically it comes up bison. A lot, does it? It does. It really does. Uh, now that you know, you'll notice how much it comes up. But they are bison. <laughs> Good to know. All right, so we Go almost on, run over a bison uh, <laughs> on the way to the gas station, and uh, which is when my favorite moment in the game occurs, uh, when she's sitting there in the car, snooping through her partner's stuff, uh, checking out her pizza coupons and and her uh, her old expired mail, uh, which is a clue. Uh, when suddenly a car pulls up, and next to you, uh, a hoodlums. Uh, some some <laughs> teens give you the bird and then speed I, away. I loved that moment. I did too. Yes, ditto, ditto. There's some great yeah. moments early in this game, and I loved the the scene with the the bison too because it's so. Uh, I mean, it's a great imposing presence, and then it appears again and again as a sort of a dream sequence or subconscious symbol that uh, that keeps appearing in Tarver's life. Um, this is one of the things the the later in the game. Uh, your partner gives you a stuffed animal bison, and that's the moment I was like, I dig this girl. I dig someone who'd be like, remember you almost ran over that animal? Gotcha something. Yeah, <laughs> A reminder yeah. of when I ran over that. <laughs> well, it wasn't even like, I, I part, but then I started thinking about it, and I was like, I wouldn't give my friend an animal that I almost hit. It's only funny if she was driving, like if, if Anne was driving. <laughs> it's also That's huge. when it would be funny. Yeah, it's yeah. like here, have this massive stuffed animal. Uh, does the bison mean anything, or is it just like yeah. weird for the sake of weird? I think like, it means. If, if something. I hit a cat, I wouldn't give my friend a stuffed animal cat and be like, "Remember how funny it was when I hit that but cat." If you almost hit a crazy animal that you wouldn't expect True. to hit, and you didn't hit it, like if I yeah, <laughs> if I ran over a cat and someone gave me a cat. I would immediately no, no. burst into tears for the, you know, I'm assuming if I ever stopped crying from the first cat that I hit. But she um, herself buys that. That would be like you ran over a cat and then you bought your friend a cat. If you notice, Bruce, she got she it out driving. of a crane machine that was over by the... Uh, but but it's... Uh, oh, did she? But it's yeah. huge. What kind of crane? It's like... She's the amazing at her. crane games. We know all these great details about her now. She's so good at crane games. Yep. No, I, I do have to ask because there's... There's a lot of this stuff in, in this game that I don't know if it means something or if it's weird for the sake of weird. And the, the bison is, is one of them. Por que no los dos. I definitely have my interpretations of all of those. Um, I think we could definitely 
take some time and talk about the symbols that this game continues to weave into its visual sort of narrative. Um, the, the first one that seems like the most common, uh, is the color red and specifically a few like red things that keep appearing. Um, so like, yeah, can I, can I kick that off a little bit? Uh, the very first moment in the game where you see it is, is waiting to go on stage to get your FBI badge. And, you know, I, I didn't, I was really kind of concerned at the start of this game. I didn't even know getting started that this was a game about an FBI agent or an investigation. And I'm like, where am I going? And you walk out onto the stage and you're blinded by the flashlights, flashbulbs. And that's right when the absurdism or the kind of surrealism of the game starts to kick in. Because you flash to uh, a tape recorder playing you know the the stage clears and you're alone on the stage with a tape recorder playing the sounds of a heart monitor yeah and then it goes straight from that to uh, uh an out of body experience kind of going home getting into bed and then seeing yourself uh, from above in bed and then turning around and there's that red closet door that recurs again and again yeah, the the red closet door appears in all sorts of bizarre locations. It's almost kind of like the monolith from 2001. It'll appear even in pl- in places where it doesn't belong or even just sort of freestanding as this kind of ominous red glowing thing. And I think it's if not a out and out a reference to the sixth sense, I think it's a strong subtle reference. I mean mm. like it, it's it's the re- the sixth sense the color red is used to say go in this direction and it's things that are touched by, you know, I'm trying not to, I I can spoil a sixth sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay. (laughs) Uh, No, hold on. Hold on. Let's do a little mini spoiler alert (laughs) or a spoiler break uh, for the sixth sense. So things touched by the ghost world are red, but it's used mostly in the movie as like, objects that you're supposed to be moving toward. Like there's the red knob on the door and there's like a red balloon. That's like, go up these stairs. And so like the characters in the movie are using them as cues to know what to explore next. Yeah. I think it's definitely used for a similar purpose. It's definitely to draw your eye. Anything that's red in this game is for a very particular purpose. Um, the few things that are red that keep appearing again and again are that red closet door. There's a red cardinal that's also the logo for the game. That's kind of a, you know, the red bird of, you know, truth or freedom or something. Um, there's uh, a red envelope that becomes very important in the final scene. I really think that red in this game is used to kind of specifically symbolize like truth or knowledge, particularly things like the the door, which is like a a door to uh, a closet where in the final scene, we see that her father has has hidden uh, something. And I'm sure we'll talk about the final scene later. Um, And that that closet door appears again and again. The, The bird that I think is only symbolic. It doesn't really appear anywhere in other than sort of in figurative moments in the game. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like the elusive truth. There's constantly moments where like she's about to learn something and, and it's snatched away from her. And so she'll see the bird and then it flies away or it disappears in her hands. Um, yeah, I think it's like, there's a, it's like, there's a hidden thing here. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah. Th- so I think it's completely, yeah, it can be truth, but I, I think it's that like 
this is a hidden thing you can't get. Yeah, hidden knowledge or hidden, yeah. Um, okay. The other big symbols in the game, there's a re- there, obviously the buffalo we talked, or excuse me, bison that we Please. talked about earlier. I'm, I'm less solid on exactly what that represents. Um, I read a few kind of theories, and the one that I buy into most uh, is that it, it kind of represents obstacles or threats in her path. Um, so it appears when she's coming into town in in uh, in kingdom, you know, when she's entering this, the town of kingdom, uh, and then it appears again and again, sort of simultaneously with setbacks or blocks on her ability to like find what she wants. I also think it kind of has a male presence. I think it's associated with um, with Corb. I cord. I don't see that one. You'll have to tell me why you think that. I'm a little less solid on that one. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't associate it with men necessarily, because I just don't see that. This is maybe men. me reading something else into it, but I mean, it is it is an undeniably male animal, and it is associated, they're a girl, I think. They're a girl bison. They don't have horns, though. Did you look underneath? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I did not. And, but it's it, it's also specifically representing, like, um, I think, uh, uh problems or obstacles that she has to overcome um it, it appears just if you look at the times when it appears that just seems to be the case to me yeah i'll, I'll buy obstacles i'm just not um i, I i'm not seeing the men thing. i think it represents uh i think it represents the like uh the so a lot of the 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 problems Decidal. she has to overcome are Patri- specifically patriarchal um the her boss and his whole worldview um the uh and not maybe not necessarily i'd ju- say this is yeah maybe it's just that i didn't read this game as necessarily like anti-patriarchy which is saying something because i read everything as anti-patriarchy <laughs> um i read it more of um uh you know the systemic pressures of like she's a black woman and i think that's and it was mostly a condemnation of people of color in this game because also the black like the men of color were also oppressed in this game yes so i would i wouldn't necessarily equate it with men because for once i don't think i mean gender enters into it but it wasn't a huge theme mm, of this game yeah I'm, I'm less solid on that than i am on the others but i do at least think it kind of represents obstacles yeah. and and specifically well, like sure. things it's i think it has an association with um with all of the the people that make up the sort of conspiracy that she faces at the mm-hmm. end of the game um, well an obstacle is i mean it's literally blocking the road yeah, it's an enormous, I mean, yeah. scary <laughs> presence. That's so, what I was I like, guess, I get that. <laughs> yeah, and I'll give you that. I mean, that's pretty on the nose. It's literally blocking the road. Uh, I, th- I think another another big symbol that uh, that comes up again and again is that furnace, which we also see blocking the road in the middle of the road. Um, and that, I think, gets a pretty specific uh, kind of explanation towards the end as we kind of see some flashback sequences. Not a symbol, but a strong memory. Yeah, um, and and that's uh, that's you know a furnace where she had to burn some things. I guess we'll talk about the specifics of the ending in a minute. Do we want to talk at all about like the specific mysteries that she's tasked with solving, or anything about particular scenes before we talk about how things wrap up? I what I would like to do, I guess, is maybe break down what are the questions, and then if we can go from there, maybe maybe what answers we found. So like when my, you know, a couple of the easy ones to me would be um, what 
happened to the boy? Do we know um, to the missing kid? Uh, there's a pretty obvious theory because of the ending, but do we know? Um, and what did Halperin slash Ortega, what is her actual timeline and why is she being investigated? Um, and, yeah. and why did she get turned in or whatever? I don't think she did, but I, I would like, like, those are the two big theory, you know, big mysteries. And then uh, within that, um, there's obviously various scales of other questions. Yeah. What is the deal with the conspiracy um, that we seem to be confronting? Is it real? What does it mean? Well, why? So there's a moment where it seems pretty obvious that, um, uh, that you as Anne could either turn in Halperin and like become the best FBI agent of all time, or you could solve the crime is almost what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. But instead you do acid and then like drive around for a while. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's talk about those questions that you mentioned. Um, I think, I think I have a pretty good handle on the story here and it is told really in a, in a specific, like intentionally disjointed kind of way. But here's what I gathered. And you guys tell me if you missed, you know, if, if I'm missing anything or if you got a different vibe. Um, so we're investigating um, Maria Halperin because uh, she's formerly known as Maria Ortega, and her mother, Judith Ortega, was also an FBI agent. And, um, and an awesome one. And an awesome one. one. Won a bunch of awards that were detailed in some document that we get to read on microfiche. And then ran afoul of Hoover, Yeah, if I caught that right in the, uh, in the documents. Hoover ran her out of the FBI. Yeah. And then Cord helped in running her out of the FBI. Uh, and she was, uh, she was dismissed in disgrace. And it seems that her daughter, under a different name, is uh, kind of carrying on her mother's career um, and trying to clear her name by trying to, trying to expose the, I don't know, cronyism or perhaps even kind of truly malicious conspiracy uh, within the FBI. Um, And it's unclear exactly like uh, what exactly she's uncovering, but whatever it is, it goes all the way to the top, you know? Um, Yeah. It looked to me also like maybe she was trying to work some of the cases that uh, maybe her mom had stopped working. I don't know. There was a lot of case files when you make that um, breakthrough into the room, uh, the locked room and see, uh, Maria's like secret, uh, mm-hmm. research and, and FBI lab. I'm guessing that the reason that she would be able to be turned in is cause she was stealing case files. Um, but yeah. to me it was some kind of, I mean, I'm being completely honest because yeah, uh-huh. in my mind, she does nothing wrong except have a bunch of stuff from the sixties. But my other thought is maybe she like was cause she was researching all these old case studies. Maybe her, uh, mom was part of a conspiracy and took the fall for it. Yeah. Well, her mom was dismissed, at least in part, uh, for using... Uh, unconventional psych- methods. Unconventional methods. And basically that meant, I think, taking LSD to kind of like expand her mind and expand her her uh, her ability to solve <laughs> crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite moments was when we, was when we followed up on that by sneaking into her locked secret... LSD lab. <laughs> yeah. What and, a great scene. 
I, I kind of love that because it's like, yeah, that you know, people were kind of doing a lot of that in the '60s. They were, you know, the CIA was trying this stuff. The uh, the FBI probably was too, and they they the implication, pretty clear actually, is that she was she was like hounded out, not necessarily for her methods, but rather for you know being a being a strong, uncompromising woman who is approaching a position of power. Uh, in a in a situation where you know the the men the white men involved would not have it, um, but maybe it was also just because she was fucking doing a lot of LSD. I don't know. <laughs> so um, that's one mystery, and when you by solving that, I think that you kind of see Anne develop a kind of affinity for her partner, like a sympathy for her, and I think that's part of the key to the later mystery of the game, which is like, what is the deal with Anne and her father? Uh, and, you know, what's the the symbol of the broken key that comes up again and again throughout the game? The very first shot of the game, which I think is partly why it's so important, is Anne trying to open a box and breaking the key off in the lock. And it's opened, but it can't be shut again. Um, and then that symbol comes up again in the very ending, uh, when she's interacting with her father. And I, I think that relationship with the father is one of the hardest kind of mysteries to unravel of the story, but I think it's a similar relationship to the one that Maria has. It's a bit of a mirror of the one that Maria has with her mother. Um, anyway, maybe we come to that a little later. Uh, what other mysteries were there? And the, I guess there's a mystery of Lucas. Yeah. What happened to Lucas? What's going on on that military base? Yeah. We see Lucas's darkroom where he has a bunch of photos that he's developing. That was a very Gone Home-esque scene where they you break into his darkroom that's hidden in the back of his closet. Mm-hmm. And he has a super rad hangout spot like in mm-hmm. this cave uh, next to the military outpost, which is just like every like teenager's dream is a mm-hmm. sweet cave with a record player and lighting and you know beer bottles everywhere <laughs> yeah just cans cans all yep. over the place those those teens yep he's a cool teen another game about cool teens do we know what happened with lucas because there's a sub mystery in that about his dad yeah and i have um, i have strong suspicions um, or at least I think I know what happened there. I, I think the, the simplest reading of the Lucas mystery is that uh, that he ran away. Yeah, that his dad slept with a woman, he found out, and he ran away. Yeah, his, and, his and, dad and being a priest. Yeah, that's supported with a with a with a few a few pieces of evidence, not the least of which is the last shot right. in 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 the whole mo- the whole uh, the whole game uh, where that I missed on my first playthrough. Uh, because you have to actually turn and look behind you. Yeah, you don't have to look entirely behind you. You're driving uh, in something along the side of the road, but yeah, you see, he's on the side of the road. You see Lucas kind of walking out of town, and obviously, like the way the chronology of the game works, this is something that you couldn't have observed. And also, it happens in a situation where it be it would be very difficult uh, to kind of place it chronologically or decide whether it's reality or not just the way that the game ends which we'll talk about in more detail in a bit the it's hard to tell if anything you see in the last say 20 minutes of the game is reality but we do see him walking out of town carrying a guitar case a nice touch there was that you see his guitar without a case in his dark room and so presumably he's got something in that guitar case but we know that it's not his guitar um, I think it's a tommy gun 
<laughs> if he's a really cool guy, it's a Tommy gun. Yeah. I, I think I think it's more evidence that he like packed up and left town. I think he's just thrown his clothes or whatever he could into his guitar case and he's mariachi style, uh, like leaving mm-hmm. town. Um, and you know, you, <laughs> the mariachi that's, that's style the op- of leaving town. <laughs> oh, like yeah, like the, but the guitar the case. Yeah, I know. I just not not like not like he's playing music on the way out, but that would be good too. So yeah, I think that that's the the obvious reading, or it might be the optimistic and Tarver reading, and maybe he's dead under a bridge somewhere. I don't think we ever really know that. Yeah, I think it's certain is that he saw his father like cheating on his mother. Yeah, almost certainly. We see a photo that he took of them. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of see the dad arguing with the woman as well. Like you get some of that. So I think that's pretty obvious. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, the kid running away, I think you know, there's no way to know for sure, but obviously they want you to think that's probably what happened. So I, I think the final scenes of the, of the, um, I think, I think the last mystery is not so much a mystery, but more about, uh, Anne confronting herself and what she wants in her career or life, I guess. Um, and it kind of answers that that the final scenes kind of answer that question about what is the deal with the furnace? What is the deal with Anne's father? Um, so I guess we kind of have to set up the ending, which is the, probably the most WTF in a game that's full of WTFs, right? Well, yeah, they set it up. I mean, it was Chekhov's acid tabs, right? Like you, you get them, uh, relatively early. I mean, the game is short, so, you know, you get them about like what a half an hour in or whatever. Yeah. You steal them, uh, right out of the pocket, right out of the wallet of the, uh, of that little fucker. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, here's something that I, I actually never quite figured out. I'm one of the many mysteries of this. So she, she goes home she puts it down on her bedside table, right? Along with her FBI badge and her keys and whatnot mm-hmm. and her broken key. Um, and then later on, she's re- she, she's given it back by Ortega. Does that mm-hmm. mean Ortega snuck into her room at night and looked uh, at her? Yes. I'm pretty sure it does. Yes. Just as I think there's a mirror between Ortega and uh, Tarver. Just as Tarver snuck into Ortega's apartment and looked at all of her stuff, uh, so did Maria. And I think it's yeah. it's this kind of like almost touching like that scene after they come together. Mm, it's like you know I I've been investigating you. You've also been investigating me. And but even despite that, they kind of they kind of develop this sympathy. I think I, I do think it's like uh, I'm watching you too, uh, and but it's all because and is so bad at keeping her <laughs> files safe. She really She's is. She's constantly dropping it. So you have your bag, and apparently all that's in the bag is the file from Cord asking you to investigate Ortega. Yeah. And three Mix, times... you are class. And some acid tabs. <laughs> yeah, three times you are near or in the vicinity, at least, of Ortega, and you drop the bag and the file just spills out, including one where so she brings you the the bison animal, uh, like plushie or whatever, and it falls out. The file spills out and you just sit there and slowly watch as she like bends down, picks it up, opens it up and sees that you're investigating her, investigating her. And it's like, no, anybody in real life would be like, 
oh my god, let me, you know, like my secret, <laughs> my secret files. You well, know, she you hands you down. the giant bison first, so you're holding yeah. that and you can't do anything about it, I yeah, guess. You can, though, because if <laughs> I if put it down and be like, secret... hey, I got a side hustle, give me back my bag. Yeah, if your secret files that are about the person that's standing in front of you, the only thing that's in that bag, which you should just stop carrying around with you if you're hanging Put out with this person. Hey, listen, it's her in first investigation, all right? She's allowed to make a few mistakes. Okay, she that had is to the pass only, an academy. That is the only excuse I will take. Class number one in the no academy excuse. is don't keep your secretive files on your person in a bag with a broken latch all the time. Especially if you're investigating, the, if you're with the person that you're investigating. That wasn't so a it's like, silly. Set down the buffalo and say, oh, my God, my bag, and pick up your bag, and you're fine. Yeah. And how, it, how no else problem. Though, I, I forgave that because how else, though, are they going to wordlessly convey that moment of the other person discovering the truth? Do it you once. Know? Yeah. It it worked out though. I, I I I that didn't take me out of it, but it did feel a little bit like they're uh, building they're building tension with that. Like, oh my gosh, she's going to see the file. Oh good, she didn't see the file. Oh my gosh, she's going to yeah, see but, it. But when it's so easily avoided, it, yeah. like I know this is kind of like if I were in the movie, I just wouldn't open the door, or like I'd run the <laughs> other way. You know, like I know that's what we're doing, but it's like. Yeah. There's no reason for you to have that file with you everywhere you go. You what are you like constantly read Okay, what am I supposed to be investigating? Oh right, or Ortega. Burr. Okay, good thing. Good thing I good, th- good thing I kept I might this. forget. Good thing this is literally the only thing I'm carrying around with me all the time or else I might forget. Like All right, I, I think we I think we get the picture. Nick. Yeah. I know. She I, needs to she needs some more opsec. Her, uh, her, yeah. Your PII, keep it, you know, come on. It's uh anyway. Laura, you had said you had a uh, you had, had a to get that grand theory you wanted to share. It's it's not a conspiracy theory or anything. I just think that the kind of thesis of this game is about being a model minority. And I think that that's partly why they spy on each other. I think that's why they actually literally call um Maria Ortega's mom like a law-abiding woman of color or something mm. in the old microfiche. Um, I think that's why her dad asked her to burn something. I think that they're all trying to, like, you know, uh, to quote a scandal, like, you have to be, uh, it's half as, it's twice as good and half as far. So I think that's a huge part of this game. I think you're absolutely right. It's really a big theme. And I think that that's a huge part of all of these kind of, like, mysteries end up just being, like, you make one tiny mistake and you're out. Yeah. And I think that uh, kind of is the, the, the message of the game in many, many ways. I wish some of the symbols tied into them because, like, none of them did. And I was like, it, it, and when I fe- thought that was the theme, I was like, none of the symbols match. I don't know. I, I, I felt like at I'm least the, uh, the, the red door kind of does. So just to kind of, yeah, kind of go over the, the ending, um, there's... So when uh, when Anne finally refuses, it seems, to turn in her file, it looks actually at first like she has turned it in, but in, it ultimately seems that she hasn't turned in her file on her partner, Maria. And when uh, when Corb, Cord, I keep messing up the name because I think there's a Corb somewhere in my brain. Um, and when Cord, the, uh, the director, uh, when she doesn't turn in her file to him, he has her and her partner arrested. And there's a scene in a jail where you're, you know, sitting on a bed 
you know, waiting for whatever judgment may come. And, and, uh, Maria is in the next cell over. Um, and then we get this sort of weird bifurcated ending where first, uh, at this low moment, you see, um, you see, Anne get up off the bed in her jail cell, tell the cop outside the door that she's ready to talk, presumably, go straight to the director, turn in the file that she held out before, uh, and completely report on on Maria. Um, and then you see her getting a promotion. You see a series of scenes. It's all done in a sort of a playable montage that I thought was one of the strongest scenes in the game, where Maria you see, or excuse me, you see Anne's career building over the next probably decade or more. You see a scene, scenes of her having uh, moments of camaraderie with her colleagues, some of which are like, there's a a Sikh man and a, and a a black guy. And then you see her repeating a cycle of ratting those people out in order to get ahead. You see the Sikh guy packing up his desk. And then immediately you see Maria has a bigger desk. You see, um, you know, her having a drink in a bar uh, with her black colleague, and then you see him uh, leaving the FBI. Uh, I forget exactly how it, how it shows it, but it seems like he leaves in, in disgrace. And then you see her in an even bigger office. And eventually you see her taking the job that, uh, that, uh, that Corb, I keep doing it. That cord. <laughs> has. Crom. Crom. You see her taking the job that her, her, uh, her boss had. Um, but uh, on the desk next to her is the file for Lucas's case left unsolved. And at this point, I thought this was the the trajectory the game was taking. I thought this was the ending of the game because there's no indication that what you're experiencing or seeing in that scene is anything other than just a continuation of the story. But then it cuts back to the jail cell and you're back Quick in question. that. Mm-hmm. Why were they arrested? Why were... Maria and Anne arrested. Why were they in the jail cell? Well, I thought it was pretty clear that she was arrested for not informing. For living too hard, man. Um, Loving too free. Why would the local police arrested for that? You can get fired. Why would the local police arrest the FBI agent for not completing her file about her? internal affairs investigation yeah that is actually a great question that was i had no idea that yeah. was, that without was dialogue it's really hard to tell but i think it has to do with the fact that there seems to be a sort of a central conspiracy of the game and it's kind of explored in the lsd sequence that's about to that we you know that comes at the very end but it seems like the uh fbi and the cops in this town, which is also in Virginia near the near the FBI headquarters, so it makes some sense that they would be in communication, and the politicians of this town, and the military that run the military base that's placed in this town, all have some kind of secret together. And it may be related to the site of the uh, of the observatory that's closed, because there's a bunch of stuff about a development there, and I think that, you know, they all meet there. Um, you, you, you follow them there, uh, at one point during the investigation. Mm-hmm. So there's some kind of a conspiracy here. I think it's not that far fetched in the context of this conspiracy that seems to exist that the FBI would be able to say, Hey, arrest these guys, but it's, like it's not, in, really uh, clear. it's like in Texas chainsaw massacre when she's running and she finally finds the police. And then it turns out the police are in the, in part of the family too. <laughs> 
exactly like that. <laughs> and I uh, think that I want my conspiracy is a lot more clear cut, like in the movie Hot Fuzz. <laughs> okay, Very yeah. Clear cut conspiracy in that movie. Yeah. Well, the conspiracy here, you never fully get a picture of it because, you know, you don't get the opportunity. You get arrested before you really get to complete an investigation of it with your pal Maria. Um, but that final scene, you know, you have this this sort of flash forward to your future if you collaborate. And then I guess you also get an opposite vision where, you know, you're back in the jail cell and you take that tab of LSD and you have a very psychedelic um, and less literal flash forward, or I guess flashback, flash drug flash. Uh, <clears throat> this is the sequence that was just called in the um, uh, in the index of uh, of scenes. Uh, if you go to the chapter select, is just called images one, images two, mm-hmm. images three, and uh, I really think it's 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 basically that like it. It's evocative scenes, sequences uh, that, frankly, I don't think most of them have a lot of literal meaning. I think a lot Uh, of it is like her turning inward and examining her feelings about what she was like. She was envisioning this, this, the trajectory of her life if she collaborates. And then this is her turning inward and trying to sort out her feelings and and imagine another way. Um, It's full of bizarre scenes, lots of... You know, you go deep into that cave, and instead of ending in a cool hangout spot, it goes into a deep, lengthy cave that goes deep below the army base, and then you end up back in the observatory again, only this time it's it's it looks like a, a church full of masked figures who are in the process of committing some kind of uh, animal sacrifice on a buffalo, uh, then, then uh, on a scale, uh, on delightful. of all the scenes that made no sense to me, that was definitely the 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 crowning uh, scene there, where you're watching all the all the principal characters, uh, um, yeah, ritually sacrifice the bison that you have. It's a me, a metaphor. <laughs> so call it, guys. That's the podcast. Uh, also, it's a, so- I think it's just a, a it's a visual. It's like a heightened version of the uh, of the conspiracy that she suspects of <laughs> of doing wrong. Right? Um, right. It's like that taken to its extreme. But I mean, I, I said this earlier, but like it seemed to me like she was choosing to s- either save the like solve the solve the crime or progress her career by turning in her partner yeah i think that's basically right but there's another aspect to it too and that's the uh that's the the confrontation i guess of her past with her father um you know we we see we finally in this scene start seeing where that red door comes from there's a scene where she has just received her fbi badge and she goes to the bedside of her father who's dying in a hospital bed and right across from the bed is the red door that we've seen again and again throughout the game and he indicates for her to go in there and pick up that locked box which she breaks off the key and inside is a smaller box that he seems to be asking her to burn in the furnace and then she does that uh without looking inside um so it's never explicitly clear exactly what's going on here, but I have my theory. 
I, and I, that seems to be a super important moment because, I mean, we're talking about the first shot of the game is that key in the box. Um, what do you guys think about that bit? No idea. <laughs> I mean, I guess your explanation uh, of it being like, you know, that which has been unlocked cannot be relocked up uh, is about as good as any. Yeah. Uh, I think she carries it around as a reminder of her father. I I have to wonder if maybe we didn't see her actually look through the contents of that box. Maybe it has some special meaning to her. I think it's a reflection. So th- this is my this is my theory, and I, I I I've done my best to back this up, but I I can't truly defend it. The game's too vague. But I think that Maria and Anne are total reflections of one another, down to the fact that they had a sort of mirrored relationship with their parents, and you know Anne. Uh, has to conf- so I, I think that her father, who was also an FBI agent, I'm pretty sure, um, had ha- had this had this sort of collaborator um, experience that he, you know, where where Maria's mother in the FBI, you know, went against the grain, stood up for herself, and got cut down for it. Um, I think that uh, that Anne's father did the reverse. And that what, and that the, what's in that box is essentially evidence that he's asking her to burn, uh, to you know, uh, so that it's not, you know, evidence from his career as an F, as an agent or something, and that that uh, that Anne is kind of in that in in that scene in the in the jail cell having to decide between continuing that sort of mirror story of Maria and and doing the same thing that her dad did or doing something else. Um, so that's my take on it. I'm not sure how, how exactly as intended that is, but that's, I think what's going on And that. And that made it kind of resonate for me. Like the, this idea that she's got, she's got two examples for what she can be. There's Maria's mother. She can be that woman or she can be, uh, you know, Anne's father uh, and be this totally other thing. And the final scene doesn't ever really show us what she decides. We see a flash forward and we see an LSD trip and we never see her leave that jail cell. Not, not in a real sense. So we never truly know what she decides. Um, but she has both of these options before her and that's the end of the, of the piece. And we're, we're left to kind of puzzle out the, the, the ending for ourselves. I think that's a, a very nice idea. I mean, it's hard to say for sure, but it's hard to imagine it being anything else. I mean, that's a great question for a character and a great kind of um, real life question. I mean, we're all, you know, do you take the high road and sacrifice maybe your integrity or whatever for career gain? Or do you not, but feel good about your decision? I really think that the ending of this game, um, it, it, it doesn't. I don't think it reads with a deep meaning. Uh, frankly, I, I Me really either. liked. I really liked it. I mean, I, I thought it was a series of cool images. You know, image one, two, and three were great. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I just, I, I, I definitely feel like this. Although it was an enjoyable lucid dream for me, uh, it was not something where I felt like I was. Uh, I, I, I had any kind of message being conveyed to me at all. I felt like the animators wanted to uh it, it specifically wanted to confuse the audience uh and i felt that they 
uh, took and recombined all the character models that they had in a series of increasingly weird tableaus, which were very enjoyable to me. But I do not think that that there yeah. is a, that there is a, a an explicit meaning to every to everything uh, we saw. I don't know though. I I, oh. I think they went from uh, it, uh, my impression is they went from image to ascribing meaning after the fact. But they wanted cool, confusing, surrealist things to happen, and they chose images to go with that instinct instead of saying what is the motion what is the right thing to do it felt um, like they went the wrong the wrong way to me i'm much more likely to believe that they that they you know did their best to convey meaning with cool images in a way that they thought was you know going to do exactly what they wanted and that it didn't work for everybody or didn't convey the meaning that perhaps they had in mind rather than that they like started with weird images and I, worked their way backwards to meaning and i think yeah. well i think they didn't care about conveying specific meaning that they were trying to be intentionally meaning a lot of different things at once and I, really well anything symbolic yeah. kind of does that i hope um but it, it worked for me i guess and i guess all i can really say about it ultimately is that like i it took me a second playthrough to really feel connected with the ending um, because I, by that point I had solved for myself some of the mysteries that I – like I, I, I spent a, my second playthrough on this making notes about almost every scene, uh, particularly during that LSD trip at the end. And when I really thought about each individual scene, I at least made connections to the rest of the piece that that helped you know? Um, so it's, it's possible that it'll work for you. It's possible that it won't at the very least it's visually cool. And you know, it's a, it's a neat LSD trip kind of scene. I, I think there's, there's two different things here. There's, uh, intent and then execution. Uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that the developers and the, and the writer of the, the writers of this game, I believe that they have, intent behind all of the scenes i believe that they do they did think out their symbolism and they did think out the imagery uh i also think that perhaps the execution was unfortunately too vague and too strange like i think they're i think it wouldn't surprise me if they were like okay so the the bison represents obstacle. Okay, we know that. The devs but are on what's record the weirdest that way we could that it's obvious. Yeah. yeah, like what's the what's a super obscure way that we could represent this? And then they do that. And and so you you're getting like mixed signals. To yeah. them, they think they're being uh you know, cool and surrealistic and then to the viewer it's being it's too far. But I do think that, like, I, I would bet if you asked uh, the people who created this game, I would bet that they have a very clear understanding of everything that happened. And it wasn't just like, oh, I don't know, it looked cool. Uh, I think I, I think this is the same discussion you could easily have about almost any David Lynch movie or, I like, think they know what it tons means. of stuff. I just also think, like, sometimes... Like it's really hard to do surrealism and you have to be very clear and they were working with a very limited toolbox and trying to be confusing. Yeah. So I don't see a way they could have really pulled it off for me. Uh, I I think there's a way. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wonder I wonder how it could be improved so that it, it would be more broadly accessible, but I wonder if that's like what they were going for at all. Like, it's not what they want. Yeah. Yeah, and I we we don't need to like 
expect everything to be like broadly accessible. That's not really what anyone is looking for. Um, I, but I think it's fair to criticize, uh, you know, specific choices. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just yeah. wanted a hook to make me care, and, and I didn't get it. And so I think it made me less likely to forgive some of the intentional obscuring. I mean, I think if, you, if you're truly connected with the characters, any amount of surreal stuff that you put them through only kind of makes you more intrigued in, like, what is this character that I care about's position in this bizarre world? So I think, Laura, ultimately, you're... you're and I actually really respect the, the game, but yeah. I just didn't have any connection to it, so it made it really hard for me to yeah, and engage. I, I, I think that's got to be the, like the biggest critique of the game or at least it's certainly the one that makes the most sense to me for me personally it ended up working and i i can't fully explain why it did for me and didn't for laura but i i think it's i i don't know i i think i just i just like i did put some effort into connecting with Anne. you know when Anne is a bit of a um She's a a bit of a cipher, you know, she's a non-speaking first-person character, you know, she's a little vaguer even than your Gordon Freemans or what have you. So, like, you kind of have to infer her perspective from a very scant selection of actions that she takes or, or things she has around her apartment, that kind of thing. And I managed to string it together into a character that I cared about, but I don't know how much of that happened in my head, you know? You know what um, action Anne takes repeatedly that uh, continuously impresses me is her ability to frequently drink apparently scalding hot coffee because <laughs> when, when you go there's that one scene where you are you just the action is take a drink of coffee and you're looking at it and it is like steaming and like bubbling hot and it's like oh my God, give me the action to blow on it a little bit at least. That looks, <laughs> pain, that looks yeah. painful mm, to drink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think that I, I'm maybe in the middle ground uh, between you guys mm. in this game. And I, I, I had a really enjoyable experience playing it. I thought it was, um, you know, it moved quickly. It was, it didn't overstay its welcome. Absolutely. Um, and I really liked the story, even though the story fell apart at the end. So, um, you know, I, 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 and and when the story did fall apart, it was replaced with an even more uh, psychedelic, uh, you know, experience that carried me right through to the end of the game. So I definitely had a great time. I would not say that this game has a great story. I would say that it has a series of really compelling images that are really artfully presented. Yeah, yeah, and at the very least, uh, we have. We are approaching a a very long episode for this show, and it is increasingly getting closer to the length of the game. So, I think we've crossed that. We've definitely <laughs> crossed the length of the game with this so episode. So I let's go ahead and hit stop. Yeah, I think <laughs> yes. it's uh, it's it's a worthy uh, uh, game for discussion. And yeah. I, if you've made it this far into the show and you haven't played the game. Um, I think that probably then nothing we've a, said makes sense. Yeah. At all. Good, yeah. Good well, talk guys. Good talk for you. I would say then maybe it's a game for you. Cause you know, we're questioning a lot of things. So yeah, I I'm, uh, I'm really glad we did it for the show. And I think that was, this was a pretty interesting discussion. Um, and I'm glad we managed to get it in before the end of 2016, um, pr- because probably our next episode is going to be a game of the year, uh, 
episode. Uh, we've done one for the last couple of years now. Um, and, you know, getting podcasts out in any kind of semblance of time uh, is really hard during the holidays. So we're always thankful for that <laughs> that episode at the very end of the year where we can look back uh, and also bring you an episode that doesn't require that we all sit down in front of our PlayStations for 40 hours for something. 40 hours? This is the short game, son. It is. Uh... <laughs> so we're going to be uh, so we're going to be back next week with our game of the year special, where we're going to be talking about all the uh, the best games of 2016 or the best short games of 2016, and try I to can pick say away. nice things. Yes, indeed. Um, if you have a game that you think that we missed out on this year that deserves a place on that uh, game of the year episode, let us know because we're definitely going to be rounding those up as well. Um, and. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us on another great year of the short game. I've been your host, Reagan Kelly. You can find me on the internet at Reagan K on Twitter or on our website, www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form and uh, links to us on iTunes. You can leave us reviews, which we certainly appreciate. Please give us reviews on iTunes. It always helps a lot. Um, where can people find you, Shane? I'm on Twitter uh, talking about Dungeons and Dragons uh, at 8 bit Shane. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And of course, you can find our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.